It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. side, pulled up about the hash mark, finds the left defender who jumped up in the play, a perfect pass, aerial pass over the defender's stick on the tape by that good opportunity. Jemski moves away from a four-checker, knocks it forward, three on three, here's Topping, looks to the play in front, Berkeley the backhander, and the save made right there by Amon, and that's what Ryan Berkeley can do in the offensive zone, get open, and he got the backhander on net. I just wanted to ask uh, how was your uh, first skate? I think in a Sharks jersey. Uh, it was it was fun. It was definitely fun. I think the the best part was just meeting all the guys uh, yesterday and today. Uh, it was just kind of fun to be on the ice with them and kind of kind of look around and see and see who might be your future teammates or, or what or whatnot. And it's uh, yeah, it's just exciting. It's just uh, it's it's gonna be a fun week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Sharks Development Camp Roundup Show. Ted Ramey, the host of Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network with you. It is still August, and we've got a ways to go before we get the NHL back into our lives. But the next generation in Teal was on display last week in San Jose for the Sharks Development Camp. Top guys in the prospect system, guys we've seen on the Barracuda, even a few that got up with the Sharks in the NHL like the speedy John Leonard were all brought together to play with one another, to be somewhat evaluated, to learn more about the Sharks system and the Sharks culture. I sat down with Sharks play-by-play announcer Dan Rusinowski, color analyst Brett Hedekin, and Barracuda play-by-play announcer Nick Nolenberger to talk about everything we saw this week. And I started off with Brett, the former NHL player, who was once a prospect himself, and asked him for his interpretation of what the Sharks' top brass were looking for in terms of current ability or going to a player's ceiling, what they are versus what they have the potential to be. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, Dan had mentioned this in our broadcast, just the fact that, you know, I didn't have this opportunity back when I was a a young prospect. We didn't have this, these sorts of camps uh, back in my, my day, but you know, thinking about a player that gets drafted. I mean, you're drafted at 18 or 19 years old. And for the organization to be able to have a group of guys that are just like you, guys that are trying to make it in the NHL and trying to learn the game at the highest level, um, to be able to come in and, and rub elbows with other guys that are like you. And then obviously, you know, you know, the organization being able to inject a little teal into your blood. And I think that's something that I, I think is just terrific for these young guys. So when they do get that opportunity in the future, that they feel comfortable in their surroundings, they feel comfortable seeing some new, the, the faces that they saw during this camp, some of the training staff and the coaching staff and hearing some of the language, you know, that goes on uh, in that locker room with regard to the you know, team systems and whatnot. But, you know, hearing from Joe Will, uh, you know, yesterday a little bit talking about, you know, they're really not evaluating players. They just really want to make sure that these guys, that they can see them, they can see their skill set. Yeah, they're evaluating a little. That's Let's call it what it is. But, you know, overall, they're really just trying to get these guys to to come in and, and see what they can do and and get a little bit of, uh, you know, understanding of their personality and whatnot. But I thought it was a terrific game. And overall, you're seeing, uh, uh, you know, these guys and the skill set that some of these guys do have. One of the things that we heard about over and over and over during the course of this development camp was the Sharks putting a premium on character and drafting guys, not just because of their ability, but also because of who they are in terms of their community, in terms of who they are on the ice. 
I asked Dan Rusinowski, who's been with the Sharks since the start, his interpretation on that being a point of emphasis. Well, I think it's absolutely critical, and I think that it's also really important to, to, to say that this development camp accentuates that. It's almost as if it's a challenge to, within, side, within that locker room, uh, you know, say to a young player who's coming in for the very first time, uh, say like William Eklund, who has a great reputation to see the other guys that have been drafted and to see the type of character that they have so that they can start developing that culture. And I think that that's so important. That's what Brett was really talking about, too, a chance to uh, to be in there, but also as an affirmation to all the work that the scouting staff has put in in researching these players. You get your hands on them for the first time. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for for the scouting staff also to check on the way that they evaluate players when they don't get to get close to them. So it's a, it's a really multifaceted type of an event. And I think it's really important. And what Brett said is, is so true. The idea that you can get some teal into you and that you can start to get the sort of, uh, embedded within the organization. I think that those are things that are really important. As we heard Hetty and Rudy allude to, it was not just about the evaluation, at least not when it came to everything that scouting director Doug Wilson Jr. was looking at or assistant general manager Joe Will. That said, Nick Nolenberger has been watching these guys in the American League, or at least some of these guys in the American League, and has a good frame of reference in terms of if a guy is ready for the AHL, not ready for the AHL, or potentially able to make that jump to the next level. Well, it's interesting, as, as Danny alluded to, it is multifaceted. You you see players take roles of leadership, like a Brinson Passionate. He's a little bit older, went the college route, so now he's in his second year, and you know, he's in his he's he's in his early 20s, but you've got young players that are still teenagers. So now he can take over a leadership role and he can approach this as a business like week. I'm going to take a leadership role at the same time. I'm going to set forward and kind of set the tone for training camp. I, I thought there was a lot of players that were very impressive. There were young players that stepped right in. They competed. They played hard. They they certainly, I think, opened the eyes of the scouting department. Of course, the scouting department's very familiar with these young players, and they may say they're not evaluating, but it's human nature to evaluate these guys, whether they like it or not. And I think there were a lot of players that certainly set themselves up for some success, set the tone going into training camp. And for players that established themselves last year with the Barracuda, you could tell there was just a little bit of an aura about them, just a confidence. And that comes with getting a year under your belt at the professional level. Last year was a very unique year. The AHL played half the amount of games they normally do. That being said, you still got a, a feel and a taste for what it's like to be a professional hockey player, what it's like to prepare like a professional hockey player, ride the bus and, and go through the grind that is an American Hockey League season. So if you want to talk about a productive week, I thought it was a very productive week and it kind of culminated in that scrimmage. And I thought a lot of guys set the tone for training camp and, and are trying to go into a situation after a very unique year and trying to put their best foot forward uh, to try to make the team or at least get in the minds of the scouting department and the brass to say, hey, when you guys need more reinforcements and you're looking at the next crop of young players, I want to be at the top of the list. So I thought it was a really productive week and I thought it was a lot of fun to see these guys firsthand. We didn't see the 2020 draft class because of COVID-19. So we, we got an opportunity to basically see two different draft classes in one. And it was pretty fun to see a lot of these guys. I think they made some big strides in a unique season. They took advantage of the opportunities. And I think Sharks fans should be excited about this young crop of prospects, this next wave, if you will, for the Sharks. Brett, we talk about how much the coverage of the game has changed. And if we go back to when you were a prospect, I don't know how aware of it you were or if you felt the pressure but there were some scouting reports that compared you to a young Paul Coffey which I'm sure was flattering but maybe pressure packed you know you said you didn't have this type of a development camp and not only did you not have this you didn't have the social media coverage the podcasts uh, you know articles everywhere I mean obviously hockey circles have always talked I mean how much pressure do you think these guys are feeling just in terms of the, the coverage being far more than it was even you know, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, no, I think it's it's a fair question. I, I think obviously life has changed with social media. Ultimately, I think, you know, these guys that, you know, they want to create a brand and all these other things. But at the end of the day, if you really want to be a hockey player and you want to play at that highest level, I mean, I don't think Sidney Crosby is on social media, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
this guy is lives and breathes and wants to be the best hockey player he can be. That doesn't mean he wants to be the best guy on social media. I mean, he's, he's a hockey player. And I think that's one thing that, you know, sometimes some of the athletes today, they get a little off course, you know, thinking they've got to be this and that on so online and, and they don't, they, they can just, you know, do their talking on the ice and let everything else just kind of fall into place. And I think that's something that, you know, over time, hopefully some of these athletes will start to realize. And so, but if you are letting a lot of these things on online, the podcast and all these, these things that you think you have to do, uh, you know, it, it is going to be bothersome. It is going to be a little bit more than maybe you can handle. And I think just if that's happening to you as a young player, just go back to the, the, the to the drawing board, you know, really go back to the basics of just trying to be great uh, at being a great hockey player. And that's that's all you need to do. It comes as no surprise that a great deal of the discussion around this prospect camp centered around William Eklund, the Sharks' first-round pick and seventh overall selection in this year's draft, and Thomas Bordalo, a second-round selection for the Sharks in 2020. In his freshman year with Michigan, his stock skyrocketed, is now a big reason why Michigan is being so highly touted entering the upcoming season. Brandon Coe pokes it back toward the point. Pashner keeps it in. Nice little move around Shimolevsky. Fed in front. Little backhand shot. Score! William Eklund gets the first goal of the scrimmage. And what a spectacular finish it was on a tic-tac-toe play. I really like Bortolo here. This is the kid that's going to be going back to Michigan this season who's you know, more than likely going to be playing for a national championship in their hopes. But what a play by him. He's out front, Dan, and he's going to kind of push off the defender, put a little separation. He's a left-handed shot, gives himself a little area where he gets the pass from Pashtunuk and then finds Eklund going down that left side along the goal line. And in that little bit of traffic, Eklund's able to find that ability to capture it onto his forehand, then the backhand quickly on the short side for the goal. After seeing that success on the ice happen between Bordalo and Eklund, I asked Brett Hedekin if we were seeing the makings of a partnership or future great line with the Sharks happening before our eyes. You know, William Eklund, I'd, I'd never really seen him play prior to the other night. So for me, it was really fun to watch the little things that he does. And, and you know, watching him in traffic, watching him in the offensive zone below the goal line, some of those little subtle passes that he made, you know, in that traffic. I remember a spinorama backhand pass out to the high slot to Coe, uh, his other line mate the, out there. But, you know, Thomas Bordalo and him, you're right. There was some chemistry there. You're seeing Bordalo being able to understand last year playing with the talented Michigan Wolverines where he'll be going back to uh, this next year. Um, you're seeing him being able to play with high-end players and the understanding of what that's like to to be able to feel uh, that on the ice and knowing where to pop in and pop out of and and how to work with a guy like Eklund out there. So, yeah, you're seeing something that potentially could be a line down the road, and I'm sure the scouts were seeing what we were all seeing, which is an exciting tandem there that you know could be in teal down the road. After the prospect scrimmage, Eklund was asked to surmise his experience with the development camp. I think I did well. Uh, starting to getting better through the days, uh, getting used to the jet lag and everything like that. And uh, yeah, just got better. And I think I had to, to work on yeah many things obviously in my game, but maybe the shot, uh, get it a little clearer and, and stuff like that. Eklund did sign his pro contract with the San Jose Sharks, so he is able to enter the AHL this year. At our roundtable discussion with Dan Rusinowski, Brett Hedekin, and Nick Nolenberger, I asked Nick about compared to what he's seen previously with the AHL, if he did think that Eklund would be ready to make that transition. Well, there, you know, it's it's going to be a big jump for him, whether he's in the AHL or the National Hockey League. But when you hear him talk, there's a, a sense of maturity with this young man. He's just 18 years of age, but he carries himself like an adult. Doug Wilson Jr. talked about it following the draft and, and leading into this week, the fact that he's the oldest of a crop of family members when it comes to the kids. So he's taken over kind of a parenting role uh, in a sense as that older brother. So there's a maturity to him. And that's that's a big box that you have to check when you're going to make that leap to playing professional hockey in North America. Again, whether he's playing in the NHL or the AHL. And then the fact that he's willing to sign this year and willing to play in North America, whether that's in the AHL or the NHL, I, I think that's another sign of his maturity. He's a kid who has big aspirations, big goals. He wants to set himself up in the right spot. He wants to be in front of the brass. And that's, a, again, another advantage of having your AHL club in the same city. You get seen on a consistent basis. But just a mature kid, poised with the puck. 
he's poised off the ice, the way he handled interviews, the way that he was just kind of excited in a, in a childish way, but also in a mature way, looking at this as somewhat of a business trip, trying to meet as many people as he can, trying to make a good impression. But the way that Bortolo talked about him as well, I thought was, was interesting. You know, just had very, very nice things to say about uh, him as well. And just the type of guy he was, just saying how good of a guy he was and his experience. And there's not a lot of history there between those two and that line as a whole, Brandon Coe. But it goes into the fact that these are the type of players and characters the Sharks are looking for when they draft players. Not only highly skilled players, but also high character as well. And that stuff's going to bode well in the long term when you're looking for players to make that step into the National Hockey League. So I was extremely impressed, not only by Thomas, but also by William and by a lot of the young players coming in. And upon the conclusion of the camp, Sharks assistant general manager Joe Will chimed in on Eklund's readiness for North American hockey. First and foremost, you know, our, our development camp, we we look at it really as development where we come in and, and work on skills and, and you know, uh, that, but not, not as much of an evaluation, uh, on there, but having said that is, is, you know, really impressed, you know, came in and, and, uh, you know, as a player and a person uh, show how he's showing how mature he is, uh, you know, uh, how much he has as far as his, his skill set and, and, uh, and, and savvy for the game, uh, you know, everything so far just really validates uh, everything we saw prior to uh, drafting him and uh, uh, just really glad to have uh, William on board. Now, Eklund played wing in the prospect scrimmage, but there is a great deal of talk about him playing at the center position. And that, of course, leads us to the comparisons with Tomas Hurdle, which is something we heard from the director of scouting for the Sharks, Doug Wilson Jr. No, it's similar to Tomas Hurdle. That's who I would compare him the most to. I think Hurdle turned into a full-time center around 25 years old. But uh, as we know, it's a lot easier to break in on the wing. So our goal long-term with William is to be a center. That's the position he's played most his life. But as, as you saw when he was in your garden as a 17 and 18 year old, you know, they did the same thing. They broke him in on the wing and then they had veteran uh, uh, centers and other wingers with him like uh, Nicholas Bergforce and, and Jakob Josephson. So uh, we just figured we just drafted him and camp just started a couple of weeks after that. So there's no rush on it. He's going to end up playing center for us, but uh, I'd compare mostly to Tomas Hurdle when, when he made the transition over. And Will also talked about what he got to see from Bordalo in this camp. Just, you know, coming in that that he's, you know, really even t- taken a jump since we drafted him. Moving in now, Bordalo, nice little maneuver behind the net, wraparound attempt, save made Melnichuk, and it's cleared out. What action we've had in this last shift. Well, you mentioned Eklund and Bordalo with some chemistry, Dan. You know, go, going back there, he he had some adversity at Michigan uh, last year, obviously with the uh, some of the COVID protocol things with uh, with their team. Uh, you know, at the end, and but he was able to get in a pretty pretty full season at Michigan and, and played very very well there. And uh, um, you know, it's it's you know, he came in, he was just uh, uh, that much more savvy than when we drafted him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got so many attributes, right? How he skates, how he thinks the game, his skill, uh, his, his character, everything that he's, he's not all that far off either. And, uh, you know, it was just really good to, to get him here uh, for him to acclimate with our, with our staff, with our players, uh, you know, everything else he's, uh, you know, he's, he's really on track or, we're extremely happy with, uh, with what he's done. Uh, definitely my execution. You know, I've been saying that a lot. Also my, my explosion. That's Bordalo talking about areas that he wants to improve upon. Uh, my explosiveness, you know, on the ice, just kind of, uh, uh, kind of getting those first three steps better all, always all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big guy. I'm always, I'm never going to be big. And, you know, so I got to take advantage of, of my speed and just, uh, I keep keep getting stronger on my skates. Just keep keep getting my my core stronger, just so I can you know uh, I can hold my ground in battles in the corner and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, basically just my overall game. You know, my shot also just just everything. And Bordalo also talked about his brief impressions of Eklund. Uh, I mean, you know, he's he's a great he's a great player. I saw I saw a lot of skills out of him. He's got good speed. He's smart with the puck, and uh, uh, it's fun it's fun to to, to watch him play and. Um, you know, I'm sure he can bring a lot. Uh, uh, also, off the ice, you know, he's always smiling. He's always he always looks like he has a good attitude. So it's it's fun being around him. It definitely, it definitely, you know, kind of lightens up your mood. So um, yeah, I think he's he can bring a lot. 
Well, the first thing that was going through my mind was the high-end skill, but the, the second thing that jumped out at me was seeing William Eklund for the first time. More from Ruzi. Here's a kid who played at the age of 18 in the Swedish Hockey League. Now, that doesn't happen very often. In fact, if you go back in history, the Sedin twins did it, Marcus Naslund did it, Peter Forsberg did it, and not too many other players did there have been other guys that have played at that level at that age, but they've been fourth liners or guys that have been inserted in lower level uh, levels of responsibility. And it looked to me as, as if Eklund is really a mature person. That That's something that, that jumped out at me. Bordalo on his side, he's just a very crafty player, and you can see his pedigree. He's been around the game and around hockey people for a long time. And as Brett was saying, he's going to go back to the University of Michigan and play with a star-studded team. Uh, he, he was in the World Junior Camp over the summer with Matty Beneers, who he's going to play with. He was the number two overall pick in the draft. And he's a guy that, uh, you know, it, you put one good hockey player with another good hockey player and you get uh, some magic on the ice, but you also get improvement. So that's another thing that comes to, uh, to the fore for me, to, uh, to the fore for me, when, it's, when you see these two guys syncing up so well and working well together. Yeah, this week this week means a lot, you know, just uh, the relationship you're building and uh, just meeting the people, meeting the staff. You know, obviously there was a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom calls, but, you know, it's not the same thing as face-to-face, so it's always fun to, you know, just get that out of the way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, it's a great organization. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything more, so, uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be a part of it. That was Bordalo following the prospect scrimmage. I think the guy whose summer of working his tail off that sounds more like a hockey dream camp to people like me is Ozzy Weisblatt. Weisblatt the other way. Feeds on the right. Quick shot. Score! Ozzy Weisblatt with a quick play to the right and jumping up into the play is Montana Onyebuchi. He's going to get credit for the goal. And all of a sudden, goals are coming like wildfire for Mike Ricci's Team White. It is 3-1. to one. Well, nice play by Weisblatt. He has been impressive here. Now, Weisblatt, if you'll recall, was drafted in a really special and touching manner. Ozzy's mom is deaf, and when the Sharks selected him as their top pick in 2020, Doug Wilson Jr. signed Ozzy's name. There is video of her reaction to this, and it's something that you should really watch if you're having a tough day. Also, Ozzy and his siblings are all fluent signers as well, so they could all take it in on multiple levels for such a seminal moment. But back to Ozzy Summer. Joe Thorne was here for a couple of weeks, so, you know, for myself, that was really cool to pick his brain. You know, he's he's been in the NHL longer than I've been alive, so, um, you know, he, he knows, you know, one, one or two things. Weisblatt spent his entire summer in San Jose training. Um, that was awesome, and then, you know, you have guys like Mario Ferraro, Eric Carlson, and Logan Couture and Brent Burns, so th- those guys aren't too bad either, so, um, you know, it was great for me to pick those guys' brains uh, this summer, and, you know, I've learned I've learned a ton. Yeah, we, we've actually had a history with it, which uh, we're fortunate with uh, with some of our vets here that have kind of taken these guys in. That's Sharks Director of Scouting, Doug Wilson Jr. So <clears throat> a couple of years ago, uh, Brent Burns brought in Ryan Merkley, stayed at his house, and and uh, and they talked, and, and Merck's kind of got to learn the pro game from him. And then this year, Ozzy uh, did the same thing with Mario Ferraro, which was great. So... Uh, especially Ozzy, um, you know, coming into a big season for himself. Uh, but that's the kind of kid Ozzy is. Ozzy wants to be around the pro guys. He wants to show what he has. And it was exciting to have a, uh, you know, a dev camp finally with uh, with the last two draft classes because this is their first dev camp as well. So Ozzy's just kind of, he's, he's a pit bull. Like he wants to be around uh, the top guys. He wants to show them what he has. And uh, I think you guys saw it last night with his speed and his, um, neutral zone play and his ozone entries and things like that. So um, I'm not surprised at all that Ozzy wanted to stay. That's just his character. And then good on Mario for kind of taking him in. Ozzy was also asked about what more he learned training with Jumbo. Everything, honestly, you know, he's, he taught me a ton, you know, from nutrition to, you know, doing extra workouts, you know, it's, it's not an easy league to, to make and it's not an easy league to stand. So um you know, just, just work your hardest every day and, you know, don't take it for granted. Um, you know, we're, we're living uh, a lot of kids' dreams right now, so uh, really fortunate. Ozzy also touched on what he thinks he needs to do to get ready for the NHL. Yeah, I think for myself, just being a, a little bit undersized, I think, um, you know, I wanted to work on my speed. I wanted to work on uh, my strength and my shot. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you can always you can always get better in all areas, so... Um, I think just, just those three things I, I really try to focus on and, 
you know, Steve-O and Posse did a great job with me this summer uh, getting me ready for that. And he also weighed in on Bordalo and Eklund. They're, they're two awesome guys, I think, off the ice, first of all. I think, you know, they're, they're two great guys, two, two great teammates. And, um, you know, you need those guys to, to build a winning culture. So, um, you know, those guys are awesome. And, you know, I think they're, they're on ice plays. On ice play speaks for itself. You know, I think Eklund has amazing speed, so agile and a great shot. And, um, you know, he's, he's going to be a great player for a lot of years to come. And, you know, Bordelow, you know, his hockey sense really sets him apart. So, you know, there are two players that I think Sharks, Sharks fans are going to love here. And, you know, I'm really excited for those guys. D-man Ryan Merkley was the Sharks' top pick in the 2018 draft. Now he's developed into a bit of a veteran for these development camps a role that he seems to like. Yeah, it's certainly easier coming in as an older guy. It's my third development camp, fourth year since being drafted. So it makes it a lot easier coming in, knowing what to expect, knowing all the coaches and uh, most of the players. So for me, Brins, Sash, leading the drills, showing them how it is, but it's been pretty good. One of the things that was pointed out by the Sharks front office last year was that Merkley's fitness was maybe not where they wanted it to be. Merkley talked about what he has done to address this. Yeah, for sure. I've been down in Michigan at GVN where the NTDP program is. I've been training down there for the summer. GVN is known for getting top hockey players into top hockey shape. I mean, I know I, I got out of shape there when we stayed in the hotel for a long time. I mean, we weren't eating the best. I mean, a lot of Uber Eats and we didn't have a kitchen or hotel. It made it difficult to eat as clean, but I mean, I thought it's been better so far. I know my sprints and my 5 have been really good this year. Actually, he came in well. He's up to 186. Uh, he gained muscle. All of his, his wind gate was up. His uh, VO2 was up. All of his uh, strength and power numbers were up. Director of scouting, Doug Wilson Jr. I think you could tell when you saw him on the ice last night, he just looks a little bit stronger. Uh, we had some pretty big players on the ice last night, you know, whether it's uh, Christoph Rabic, Jas- Jasper Weatherby, you know, Montana, um, Dylan Hamluck, et cetera. So with, with the bigger forwards we had on the ice last night, uh, you could tell that that Merckx looks a little bit stronger there. Um, he trained all summer in Ann Arbor, and uh, and you can tell. So we're happy with his strength numbers and his uh, and everything like that. And it's just August, right? So he's got uh, another month here when camp starts on September 21st. So he's in a really good spot right now fitness-wise. Brett, I will let you pick other players you want to talk about as we get deeper into this, but I wanted to ask you specifically about Ryan Merkley. At times, he's shown these flashes of great ability, but I feel like there's a lack of consistency there. However, you do see the potential that is there with his game. What did you see in the scrimmage? Again, I'm, I'm not part of the scouting staff that's going to sit there and say that we're not evaluating. And I think, Nick, you're right. They're always evaluating. <laughs> um, but when it comes to Ryan Merkley for me, and, and Dan, I'm sure you're smiling because you you were sitting next to me as I'm watching him play. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, I'd like to get inside his head and correct. You know, there's there's the things at this level, at the particularly the National Hockey League level, that when the puck is dumped into your corner or anywhere in the defensive zone, you have to go back for that puck like your hair is on fire. <laughs> and for me, that's urgency. That that needs to come into your game at this level or you cannot play at this level. When I say this level, I mean the National Hockey League. I mean, Ryan Merkley's goal is not to be playing in the AHL. His, his goal is to be playing the National Hockey League. So uh, for me, that's one of the things that he needs to correct ASAP. I, I think the other thing for me is do everything with an urgency, right? I mean, not just going back for the puck when I mentioned that that word urgency, but getting up the ice with urgency, you know, executing at the offensive blue line with urgency, you know, a little more execution for him uh, on his toes. Like, I feel like he's a little bit on his heels all the time for me. And, and that's something that if he really wants to play at the next level, he has to correct and he has to correct it very quickly because I, I think for me, I just didn't see enough from Ryan Merkley in that game to to show me that this guy is wanting to take that next step. And Brett, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that was what you are espousing there. That's exactly what we saw two camps ago with Mario Ferraro, which allowed him to very quickly make that jump. Well, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, Ferraro is, is I think, a different creature. I mean, you know, he, you watch him in practice, and he practices at a high level. Um, he trains at a high level. So when he gets in a game, it's it's not a surprise for him to try to play at the level he's been practicing all week. Now, if, if I watch Merkley, if he were to take this, and Nick, to use your word, more of a business opportunity and, and more of, uh, you know, an opportunity for him to take this week to really improve his game, you know, 
it should have been a workman's like attitude for him going out there every shift and being sharp. That's what I would want to see from him. And I think when you, you know, if he can follow the footsteps of Amara Ferraro, boy, that's a good guy to follow. When Merkley sat down with the media, Ruzi was able to pick his brain. Uh, Ryan, what do you feel that your your major goal is for this uh, this uh, campaign to uh, to prove about your play and and to take the next step forward as a pro? Just to show that I'm in better shape. I mean, stronger defensively in the corners. I mean, so that's why I was working lifting he- heavier weights. I mean, putting on weight for sure. Just to show that I was in better shape, came, coming ready to go. Now, this talk of fitness did not just center around one Ryan Merkley, but was something the team was looking at as a whole. Doug Wilson Jr. Um, Jasper Weatherby's up to 6'4", 222 pounds, under 10% body fat, which uh, is not the same as a scout's body, I'll tell you that. So he's looking pretty good. Jasper Weatherby was the Sharks' fourth-round selection in the 2018 draft. The center is about to enter his senior year at the University of North Dakota and has been named an assistant captain for the upcoming season, a designation he earned last year as well. A couple of our goalies added some strength, but uh, but Joe mentioned earlier Thomas Bordalo. He gained about seven pounds of muscle and most of it was in his legs and he just looks strong. I mean, he had a really good uh, U20 camp two weeks ago and then uh, and then you could tell why um, he came in here. And uh, the other one was Linus Oberg. He came in um, a little slimmer, but uh, but more like compact and strong. And and from the game last night, he showed a little bit of his offensive creativity to go along with his 200 foot game. So. You know, Mike Potenza has done a good job. He talks to all these guys throughout the season. And uh, again, grain of salt, it being August 20th, the goal is a month from now. But uh, there, you know, there are some pleasant surprises. There weren't too many red flags. And Assistant General Manager Joe Will weighed in as well. I'd have to say kudos to uh, to the whole group of players. Uh, th- there were so many that, 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 you know, came in pretty pretty good shape and everything else. And this was really a hard year and a half with the pandemic to uh, make sure that you're on top of your training because so much was virtual, so much was kind of honor system. You know, you weren't sitting in a gym with your trainer as often. So, you you know, we had to, we had to have faith that they were doing it and everything else. And and they came in and, and they were. And, and that was one of the things that uh, I really liked about our camp. You know, these guys came in ready the first day and uh, and were ready to go uh, because we didn't know. You know, it's been it's been two years since we've had the, the development camp, and and the fact that the the players are ready is really a testament to them. And then a you know a, a player like McHugh, for instance, Max McHugh was a fifth round selection for the Sharks, and this year's draft would have played center for the London Knights last year in the OHL had their season not been canceled due to the pandemic. Who came in last night, played very well in the game and and, and scored. And Down the right wing side, and it's Bordalo. Good puck protection down the right side, but a centering pass with a backhander was blocked. Back the other way comes McHugh. Into the zone, shot, score! Wrist shot by McHugh from the top of the right circle, and that rang off the inside of the post and in, and that is... A big goal for Team Teal. Well, uh, team White, pardon yeah, me, six yeah. one. You know, not uh, uh, being afforded the opportunity to play in the OHL last year, so it, he shows that that uh, he kept training and 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 ready to go because that was a hard game to play in last night, and and he certainly uh, didn't look like a player who who uh, whose league didn't play last year. One of the guys I was really intrigued with coming into this scrimmage and this camp was John Leonard. John Leonard shooting for Team White. There he is moving in, shoots and scores. That was a nice snap of the puck. Kind of softly came in, almost got to a stop, and then he pulled the trigger low to the stick side. Yeah, Leonard with a great release and just kind of made him bite a little bit on a quick backhand to forehand move. And by the time it was back to his forehand, it was already in the back of the net. Who, in my opinion, showed incredible promise last year until he seemed to hit a bit of a wall. As we got deeper into the season, Sharks head coach Bob Bugner said that almost counterintuitively, it was the younger guys and not the veterans who are being hit most severely by the compacted schedule. Something I assumed was a reference to John Leonard. Had he weighed in? Well, that's what was the word is that he's put on about 10 pounds on his legs, right? And wow. I think what you learn your first couple of years in the National Hockey League is that, holy cow, my legs aren't strong enough for this. <laughs> and I remember my legs frying up in games where when I say frying up, I mean seizing from cramps that you just there's just nothing left in them. Right. And so I knew I had to go back to the drawing board and put more weight on my legs and more power and more stamina. But I think that experience in the National Hockey League for John Leonard last year 
gave him that thought of knowing, hey, I need to put more LBs uh, on these quads of mine to be able to withstand and to continue to play the way I want to play for more than just, like you say, the start of the year. It has to continue on, and and he's learning. And these are all really positive things for some of these young guys that they've gone through already. But Hetty said that he liked what he saw over the course of the game from Leonard. You know, he's a guy that when we talk about training with top-end players, when he trained with Mario Ferraro over the course of the summer this last summer, you know, I was looking forward to seeing his game. And I thought he got off to a slow start in the game in the first period, but I thought he came on strong in the second and third. You know, when you got guys like Balsers and Barabanov and, you know, even Blickfeld, I think last year with now Benino and Cogliano in the mix, all of a sudden, that second six, if you will, John Leonard's going to have a hard time cracking that lineup. And so I think this competition is really going to be good for him, even though he might think, boy, you know, I might not be playing in the NHL this year. I, I think pushing him to push harder to get himself in that lineup. And then when he's in the lineup, he has to say, no, I'm not coming out. And I'm going to, I'm not going to come out because these are the things I can add to the game. And so I thought he got better as the game went on, but more importantly, I think um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in training camp and seeing what he can do because he, out of all these players, he's a guy that had a taste of it last year. And I think he's going to have a really hard time making it, but I think I love the fact that he's there and that he's going to try everything he can to do it. Ruzi, who jumped out to you? Well, there are a couple. I, I, I can tell you that this is related to Ryan Merkley in a way because Artemi Knyazyev had a, had a really great scrimmage. He looked really poised. He looked uh, prepared. Uh, he made good decisions and and was very, very impressive offensively. Gareffa hands off to Weatherby, North Dakota, throwing it out near side. Score! Artemi Knyazyev moving in, getting the pass from Jasper Weatherby and drilling it home from the left circle. Again, Artemi Knyazyev, the second-round pick from 2019 with a great flick of the stick, and it is all tied up at one. Uh, with just a good nose for when to jump into the play. And that's, of course, Ryan Merkley's game, too. But if you look between the two, I'd say one of the great things about this uh, this scrimmage is that it's a wake-up call for a guy like Merkley because Knyazhev is, is about six months younger. Uh, he was drafted in 2019, and uh, and Merkley was, uh, was drafted in 2018, the year before. So here's a guy that was drafted a little bit later, and at least for this scrimmage, he was ahead of him. And so that's uh, to me, that was somebody that jumped out. I, I think the other one, the other one that's obvious is Daniel Gustian. Gustian on the far side of the ice. Somebody to look out for. Maybe a bit of a, shall we say, risky pass across his own zone. But he got away with it. Raska feeds it ahead. Now it's Gustian on the right getting it from Reedy. And he buys a little time there on the right wing side and waits for a change. Nice play. Dropped it off. There's the shot on the right wing side. And it's saved away by Krona. I like that play by Gushin just then. I do too. He held on to that puck. He got a forward leaning on him as he cut back, and he weathered that storm. Made a nice play to the defender. Who had that amazing play in the in the shootout that the, even Tomas Hurdle would be jealous of. We are now to the bottom of the fourth inning, as it were, and it's Daniel Gushin. An impressive game. Moving in on the left side, left oh. oh, between the legs, up top, he scores! What a spectacular goal by Daniel Gushin! <laughs> Well, you'll have to see this one on social media here tonight. This one here, he puts it in between his own legs, back out through to himself, around his own skate, onto the backhand, goes up and over the goaltender's outstretched glove, under the bar, and down and in. Um, you know, there's a guy that that I think is going to be a, a surprise guy uh, as far as the Sharks are concerned because he wasn't uh, highly regarded in the draft or anything like that. He was a lower-round draft pick. And so he's somebody that's going to uh, to, to step forward and, and do a lot of special things, I think, with the skill that he's got. Now, let's not expect too much. But uh, those two players really jumped out at me. But there's another another couple of guys, too. I was looking at guys like uh, Liam Gilmartin and Max McHugh. They're going to be line mates at, at the London Knights this year. And we got an idea of, of what role-playing guys can do. Gilmartin's a guy that that wants to be sort of like uh, like Wilson in in Washington. And if he's anything like that when he's in the NHL, he'll certainly get a lot of attention. But it looked like that he was developing some chemistry with McHugh together, and they were playing with Jake McGrew on a line. And so those are those are guys that, that jumped out at me um, in the beginning that at a variety of levels. And I hate to keep going on and on, but uh, Ozzie Weisblatt was another one that had a good start too. Good to see that, that, that he's coming to camp prepared and in a good position. 
Ruzi was not the only one to take note of Kenyazev assistant manager Joe Will. Well, he does. He, he does. He's on the right track. And that's, uh, you know, the, the beauty of the, the age that he's at and the options that we have with them is that, uh, you know, time will tell over over training camp. He, he had a really good game last night. He had a good camp here. I expect that the, you know, continue into training camp and and his play there will kind of determine uh uh, you know, uh, what happens there, but he's, he's, he's really on the right track. And, uh, I such, he's so enthusiastic, you know, he's, he's enthusiastic to getting better and, and a good teammate and comes to the rink and, and wants to learn and everything else. So we're, we're very, very bullish on him. It was great last night. It wasn't, it was a really good game, uh, really good game last night. Started off a little bit as a chess match. It was very fast and very, uh, you know, kind of defensive minded, uh, uh, checking it, you know, guys were, were out there and, and, and pretty tight. And then in, like, like a lot of these games are, it opened up a little bit, but he was, uh, uh, really in his place there and, and, uh, you know, really pleased with, uh, uh, with his camp. And Doug Wilson Jr. weighed in on Daniel Gushin. He's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Do not sleep on Daniel Gushkin. You know, everyone wants to talk about, uh, Eck or, or boards or, you know, Ozzy and these guys, Gush had a heck of a season this past year. And he's competing for a spot uh, with the Russian World Junior Team as well. He he just came off of a camp with them last week where uh, where they gave him the A. So he was the assistant captain on the team, and they were playing against other KHL club teams. So um, this was the guy I think we mentioned going into this camp that uh, fans might not know much about him, but they will very soon. And uh, the shootout goal showed you that. But, but even before the shootout goal, I, I thought him and Niazov were two of the top three or four guys on, on the ice the entire game. So uh, regardless of where he plays next year, don't sleep on Goosh. Ruzi, who are some guys who maybe exceeded, met, or did not live up to your expectations? Well, what, what was exceeded for me was just the level of play that, that these guys exhibited in a, in a scrimmage after being only together for a couple of days, really having a first real scrimmage. Um, one thing that, that also uh, I was very interested in was the progress of the young goaltenders that, that, that played in this game. Here's Gushin moving in. He's got a big shot. That was a good scoring chance. Nice challenge by Sawchenko to stand tall and make that stop and knock it with his shoulder out of play. Yeah, Sawchenko saw that this was going to be a good scoring opportunity there for Team White as Gushin just comes in top of the circle just as he's getting ready to release he came out aggressively made a good blocker save and you know there's a lot of attention on the goaltending position for the Sharks this year with Aiden Hill coming in James Reimer coming back so it's going to be a very different look but that's an opportunity also at the AHL and other levels of pro hockey even junior for the young goaltenders in the organization and I have to say that uh, one guy that that I thought was pretty impressive in net was uh, was Benjamin Goudreau um, he was somebody that the Sharks drafted uh, their second pick in the draft after um, after Eklund. And he looked like he was composed. He was athletic and uh, he was in position. And it's nice to see a young goaltender like that come into a position like this and and have a couple of good high quality danger saves that, that he's known for to be made against better players. So, um, you know, if you want to say that that jumped out at me, that certainly did. Also, little things. We, you know, Brett and I kept talking during the game about little things that you, we were noticing, uh, whether it was uh, Kyle Topping making a good decision. Now on the right side, Kyle Topping puts on the brakes, throws it across the ice, and Chichek shoots one on net. Save made. Another play by Melnichuk, and he's able to get his right pad on it. But he better get up to his feet quickly. It's Chichek back on the point. He'll exchange passes, and Chichek fires one toward the net, tipped in front, just wide. Behind the net, a wraparound attempt save. Melnichuk has lost to stick. He stops a man twice with Hamilton in front of the net, but he couldn't get it into the net, and so Team White able to escape. What a pass by Topping, the centerman, coming down that right side, pulled up about the hash mark, finds the left defender who jumped up in the play, a perfect pass, aerial pass over the defender's stick on the tape by that good opportunity. Uh, about slowing the game down and, and waiting for some help and, and being in the right place at the right time, or Gannon LaRock blocking a shot, or uh, Jeremy Biakabatuka getting getting involved and making good defensive plays. These are all guys that that ne- aren't necessarily and certainly aren't on the on the Sharks list for the season, but they're all guys that uh, uh, that help the level of play and help the imp- impressions. And uh, those are things that come to mind for me. 
And yes, in case you were wondering, Jeremy Biakabatuka is the nephew of former NFL running back Tim Biakabatuka with a fantastic last name like that. I know you were immediately wondering if the two were related. Again, yes, they are. And Biakabatuka is a big man, 6'4", 200 pounds, born to be a blue liner. And Nick, what about you? Who's somebody who really popped or jumped out or exceeded expectations? Yeah, I can echo exactly what Danny said, because for a lot of these players, especially if they played or didn't play last year in the Ontario Hockey League, they haven't played a lot of hockey in the last 365 days, especially Gaudreau. He played just five games for Team Canada in the U18s, but was excellent, won all five games, did not have a second season in the OHL, would have played with the Sarnia Sting. So I thought he was very impressive. Just the pace of play. I was at ice level. It was intense. It was high pace. Guys were mixing it up. They were finishing checks. So that's certainly encouraging. They weren't just approaching this as a kind of a walkthrough. A lot of these guys are really trying to make an impression. I know for the guys who didn't get a season last year in the OHL or players who had a shortened season, this was an opportunity to throw their weight around a little bit, run into guys, get a real game under their belt. So Overall impressions were the fact that uh, I think guys came in and they played hard and they competed. And in a exhibition type game like this, when you're going against basically your fellow teammates, there was a lot of work that was done and, and a lot that came out of it. So it was fun to watch. Uh, there was a lot to it. There was goals. There were saves. There were We saw a fight as well. Um, so there was just about everything you could see in the game. And and I think if you're the brass, if you're the scouting department, uh, you have to be encouraged to where these guys are at. And again, the approach that they took. So um, from my perspective, it was fun to watch. And you, you got just about everything you could ask uh, for an event like that. No, I'd, I'd say you kind of have them all. I mean, to, to be honest, it would have been nice to have Tristan Robbins and uh, Santeri Hitaka here. Um, just because there's some higher end guys for us. That's Doug Wilson Jr. A lot of these other guys, you know, we're pretty excited about from a development perspective. But, you know, guys like Daniil Gushkin, who I don't think many people saw as much, or Brandon Coe, I don't think people saw as much. Um, they'd be too. And then obviously now you're kind of seeing more of Artemi Niazev. So those would be kind of like the higher end ones. Um, but, you know, McHugh had, a, McHugh had a really good camp and he didn't play a single game last season. So we've got a couple OHL guys like that. I thought Benny Goodrow had a very good game. Um, you know, with with so many shots on net in the game last night, I thought he had a lot of uh, great A opportunities. And and that's his history. His history is high danger, safe percentage is pretty high end. And uh, I think he showed it last night. So, you know, maybe Benny Goodrow would, would be the guy who's really kind of caught some eyes this week too. Nick, I know there were a couple of guys that you wanted to hit on as well. It'd be hard to look beyond Kniazhev. There's Rob Beek behind the goal. Got hit hard, worked free. Angle opportunity for Kniazhev from the left side. It got blocked, but Kniazhev gets back and in position. Here comes Team Teal on the right side. Alex Young ran out of real estate there. Maybe he hesitated to make the decision. And so Kniazhev won that little battle. And it's all the way back to the Team Teal blue line Because of the way he played. And I spoke to a couple of the coaches following the game. And, and you know, they kind of... Uh, confirmed uh, what I saw and, and what Danny and, and Hetty were talking about as well. I mean, he was smooth skating, obviously was uh, able to chip in with some offense as well. I think he finished with three points in that second period, but um, very impressive. Adam Raska was another guy that kind of jumped uh, jumped out. Raska's driving down the center lane, moving in. It's Gushin shooting the puck, sticked away there by the goaltender Charlson with Raska looking for the rebound. And Gushin, Raska in front, turns and had a great chance, but pushed it wide of the net. Raska again, backhander, he scores. The Gushin Raska line causing all kinds of problems and pressure. And what a play by Raska to finish it off. His second goal of the game, and it is team wide up seven to one. Well, Gushkin. I'm telling you, Dan, this kid can play. Raska just kind of, you know, in front, parks himself there. But it was Gushkin that really makes the play out of the corner, follows it up. It was a quick shot from the right defense who had come down to the hash mark. And as the puck kind of bounces off the goaltender, Raska just kind of spins and fires on the backhand and beats him to the far side. And so he's got the good shot from the short side there, top corner, and now a backhand, you know, battle goal in front. Second goal of the night. Wow. Uh, A physical player leading into the game. I think he's going to have a nickname pretty quickly. Maybe Adam the Raska, the way he likes to play. (laughs) Um, He was mixing it up. He obviously chipped in with some offense as well. I think he had two goals. 
Um, expected to be with the Barracuda this year. He could have went back to junior, but it was uh, confirmed that he's going to probably be in the AHL. But he's going to fill the role of, of the likes of maybe a Jeff Vial. I know VL's going to drop the mitts more often than a guy like Raska. But Raska's going to be in your head. He's going to be a prickly player to play against on a night-in and night-out basis. I think in the long term, he's probably going to be a bottom six player in the NHL. But those are the type of guys you need in your lineup to have a successful club. So he was a guy certainly that uh, impressed me, just the versatility. Not only is he a guy who wants to play right along that line, but he can chip in with offense as well. And you can't just be a one-dimensional player nowadays. You can't be a guy who's just going to be an agitator. You've got to be able to chip in in other ways as well. So I thought Raska was one of the more impressive players. You know, one of the other topics that came up over the course of my sit-down with Brett Hedekin and Dan Rusinowski and Nick Nolenberger was, again, the idea of coverage. And even something like this, where we're going back and looking at these players and dissecting them, it's just so much different than what we saw 15 10 years ago in the NHL and really across all sports. Yeah. I mean, even before the draft, when they have to go into the combines, right. I mean, they're really being dissected. They're being interviewed and all these other things. And um, you're right. It's much more difficult today than, than when I played. I mean, I just drafted and went to college and next thing you know, the Olympic team and next thing you know, I was in the NHL. Um, and then I had to go to training camp the next year. And, and, you know, it was just like a normal routine of what we used to do, but now you're having all these other things, the development camp, I, w- I would say, again, it, it just it comes down to just trying to keep your focus on really uh, who you are, what makes you great. You know, that I think that's the thing that I learned later in my career is I knew I had three things that I did well and I didn't have to do anything more than those three things. I wanted to skate well and be you know good defensively. I wanted to make great breakout passes and I wanted to get myself up to play and be sharp. I mean, those are some of the things I really tried to focus on. And I think as a player, as a young player, Know who makes you know what makes you great, and then just really try to focus on those. And then again, all these other things will kind of kind of fall to the wayside. Dan, some closing thoughts for you on the entirety of the week and the scrimmage. Very exciting times for the San Jose Sharks. I, I'd say that uh, uh, you have to credit the the scouting staff for sticking with the plan, making sure that they brought uh, as many high quality people. Uh, to this camp to to get ready for the real camp that's coming up in a few weeks. And it's very encouraging because, uh, you know, not making the playoffs the last two years is, is a bit of a downer for anybody that follows the team. But, uh, you know, it's been a long time since that's happened. And, and they've been prepared for uh, this reset for the team. They knew it was going to take some time. But uh, the fact that, that there are still a lot of high-quality players, obviously, on the big roster and that there's so many talented youngsters to come in, uh, we're going to see further development with the San Jose Barracuda. And, and all in all, I, I feel very positive about the whole experience. It was, it was a lot of fun, too, to, uh, to be able to call that game and to, uh, to have it available for the fans. So a, a good little tune-up for all of us, too. Nick, your final thoughts. Yeah, I think fans should be excited because you look back at the 2020 draft and then to the 2021 draft and you look at the depth of prospects within the organization and a lot of the high-end prospects have been taken over the last two drafts. So I think fans should be really encouraged. I know I'm excited when you look at the depth of prospects, you know, three years ago, it's much more full. The cupboard is much more full. So fans should be really excited with some of the high-end players and then the players that are maybe quote unquote, a more long-term project. And you can put them into the hands of the development staff in the future and have them go back to their junior clubs and then come back for another development camp and get molded by the likes of a John McCarthy and a Danny Sabrin with the goaltenders and working with the assistant coaches, the Barracuda and Jimmy Bono and Michael Chason. So there's a lot of excitement. The future is bright. I think fans should be really excited, but it was a fun week indeed, just to kind of echo again, Danny's, uh, Danny's words there. Um, Great work was done, and it gets us uh, all fired up for what should be a fun upcoming NHL and AHL season. So a lot of fun to see these guys in the flesh, especially those 2020 uh, draft picks that we didn't get an opportunity to see the year before because of COVID-19. And Hedy, some final musings from you. Well, I, you know, I'm not much sure sure I can add much more than what the guys added there, but, you know, I think the goal of the organization was to, as they mentioned restock the shelves, restock the cupboards. And I think they've done a nice job of that with uh, a lot of the young talent that they have. I'm looking forward to, you know, some of these players that were drafted last year and now this year, 
developing over the course of the next year or two. And, you know, really, you know, we're going to see some top end talent coming in here, not only with good players and, but, but even better people, as Nick, you were mentioning earlier, is that they're really trying to focus on the man and the person behind the mask, if you will. And it seems like we have a, a really great group of kids that we're, we've got coming in uh, to shark uniforms here in the future. I think ultimately the attitude that everyone is taking out of this is one of extreme positivity because we know what the Sharks prospect system had been for a while, and that was not fully stocked. Doug Wilson had been making moves left and right. He'd been maximizing the Sharks window. He'd been trading away the future for the then and now, which was the here and now when Doug Wilson was making those moves. And because of that, the Sharks were able to make several deep runs into the postseason, whether it was to the Stanley Cup final, whether it was to the Western Conference final. We saw it happen time and time again. Doug Wilson was wheeling and dealing to maximize the Sharks' current window, and I have no problem with that. The Sharks were in the midst of a 15-year stretch where they were always able to get themselves into position to make that run. Ultimately, it did not end up with the Stanley Cup, but you can have this in sports where you can make all the right moves and you can still end up with the wrong answer. I know that these days that is widely attributed to Jean-Luc Picard out of Star Trek. I know it's an expression that's been around since before him, but I think it applies very, very clearly to sports. You can make comparisons to many other teams. You look at all the times that Billy Bean with the A's has made trades and made big moves to bring in talent that immediately helped them, and it just it didn't end up with a World Series title. It doesn't mean that it wasn't the right move for the team at the time. And I think that's how I view what Doug Wilson was doing for the Sharks over the midst of their, you know, decade and a half run where they were simply always in contention. That was a different team. That was a different time. Now we look at the San Jose Sharks and we think to ourselves, what are they going to do in terms of bringing up this young talent that they have in terms of developing the young talent that they have and making these guys the players of the future and making sure they can come in and have an impact on the ice, not necessarily as quickly as possible, but make them able to play and be at that level where they can start contributing and developing at the NHL level sooner rather than later. That is the viewpoint I tried to take for a lot of this development camp. And it's hard not to get excited when you look at the overall ability of a guy like William Eklund. I know that this guy was the top-ranked international or European skater in this draft. The Sharks were surprised he was there when they were able to select him. You get excited when you watch him. I mean, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up because I don't think he is there yet. Obviously, I am not a scout. Don't even try to attribute that to me. But it's hard not to look at William Eklund and say, okay, he's a little bit lacking in size but he's 18, but he is still slippery, but he's been playing in the Swedish league at a high level. You don't do that by accident. We heard Dan Rusinowski list some of the names that have been doing that previously. Again, that doesn't happen by accident. These guys have the ability to perform, and if William Eklund is already here at age 18 and you look at what he can be when he fills out a little bit more and gets used to the North American game, man, seems like the sky is the limit. The same story for Thomas Bordalo. He took a huge step forward in his freshman year in Michigan, and the Sharks now are looking like they got an incredible value in that second-round selection. So you look at the potential of these guys. We're obviously not looking at the here and now beyond what they are as the here and now, but you look at the steps these guys can take. It's very exciting, and I know that we'll be that much more excited when this talent does translate to the NHL team. But take John Leonard, for instance. He got great, invaluable experience last year getting to play as many games as he did in the NHL. I talked to Hetty about it earlier. There was a little bit of a wall that he hit, but again, in terms of what he's been able to do this summer, in terms of him now understanding what it takes at the NHL level and being former college roommates with Mario Ferraro who can tell him, You saw what you need to do. This is what I had to do to get ready. That translates to a guy who's going to attack every opportunity he gets, whether it is with the Barracuda, whether it is in training camp, or whether it is when he gets his shot with the Sharks at the NHL level this year. I don't know if that's going to happen. I hope it does because I love the potential, but he knows what it's going to take. Same with the Shemelievsky. These guys know what it takes. Melnichuk, he got some looks too. They know what it takes. And they're also, at least it seems like to me, doing a very good job within this camp or within this structure of these guys all talking to each other and conveying what it takes at the NHL level and conveying what it means to be a shark, the shark's culture. It's something we heard about from Bob Bugner 
and Doug Wilson and all sorts of guys around the Sharks last year as something that needed to be reestablished. You start that from the ground up at the same time. You build it from the prospects when they come into the camp, when they first put on the sweater. Do they understand what it means? Do they understand what they're getting themselves into? It wasn't just the product on the ice that was being focused on during this development camp. It was all these things that were being worked upon. That wraps it up for our Sharks Development Camp Roundup Show. Thank you so much for joining me, and stay tuned to the Sharks Audio Network. We'll have even more great programming coming towards you as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2021-2022 season. A big thanks to Dan Rusinowski, Brett Hedekin, and Nick Nolenberger for the time they were able to spend with me, as well as Doug Wilson Jr. and Joe Will for making themselves available. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. Moving into the offensive zone. That's going to be an elbow, and we're going to have a fight. Anya Bucci stepping right up to Carson, who elbowed his man. And Anya Bucci stepping up, took a couple of hard rights from a pretty tough character. Now puts Carson in a headlock.